What's going on, college football fans? Welcome back to episode 44 of the Saturday Six Podcast. That guy over there, that's my brother, Tyler. I am AJ. I am your co-host. He is your co-host. We are here to talk week 12 of the college football season. Going to make six picks against the spread. You follow him if you want to or don't. We're fine either way. But we got a lot of good games to cover. A lot of top 25 matchups. Excited to get into those. Before we get into them, just want to remind you guys, as always, if you're not already following us on social media, you can do that on Instagram, on Twitter, at Saturday6Podcast. And we really appreciate it if you share the podcast with somebody. That's the best way to help us grow. And if you could, please just give us a little rating on that podcast platform. We always appreciate it. Tyler, my brother, week 12, college football. You ready for this? I don't know what picks you're about to make, but guys, if you're going to put some money on these games uh, and you want to get them all right, you're going to throw a little parlay together. Listen to what I have to say. Go with my picks. <laughs> get the hell out of here. Because it's another 6-0 and week. I'm feeling special. And uh, let's get into it, man. Let, let, let's... Let me tell you guys what six teams are going to cover the spread this week. <laughs> High and mighty, man. Feeling himself. The The craziest part is, man, like all these top like five, six teams, seven teams, the teams that were sitting in the top 15 preseason poll, the majority of those teams, like they just ain't losing. You know, typically at some point in the college football season, we have a week where chaos seems to occur, right? And some of these teams that you expect to win games, they don't, and they fall late in the season, and it has a huge impact on the college football playoff. Could that be this week? It doesn't necessarily look like it at first glance, but we might have some upsets on our hands. So let's jump into it, man. The first game that I want to talk about here is an ACC matchup between a top 10 team in the Louisville Cardinals. One loss on the season, but they got to go to Hard Rock. Tough place to play, right? <laughs> Miami <laughs> Hurricanes are waiting on them. And this is a Miami team that kept it close with FSU last week. We watched that game. They were able to keep it close. We're not able to get it done. But now they host this Louisville team that is hot right now. But Vegas tells you, hold on a second. The team that you might think is the favorite is not necessarily the favorite. Louisville only favored by about one point right now depending on when and where you find that spread. So we're just going to pick it straight up, right? Because the line might move a little bit. Just tell me who you think is going to win the game, and that'll be what we put on the records. But uh, before you do that, man, what are you thinking? Cardinals and Hurricanes going down in Coral Gables. Should be a good game. It's a weird one, man. These, these pick them games, especially when you talk about a, a top 10 team versus unranked, you're like, what does Vegas know that I don't right now? You know, like, where is this coming from? We touched on it. Tyler Van Dyke went out last week. Uh, mm -hmm. Not super confident that he's going to be 100% healthy, although he probably is going to play against Louisville. Uh, if their starting quarterback was out, I would expect the spread to be much bigger um, or the line to at least move a little bit in Louisville's favor. I like this Louisville squad, man. I They can score some freaking points. They can put points on the board and – you know, that one loss is an ugly one loss for them. But um, other than that, they've played some really good football so far this season. And Miami, I 
I mean, they're choke artists. I, I feel like they stumble mm-hmm. in big games. I think to close out the year, this is a pretty big ACC opponent for Miami. I like the Cardinals here. Yeah, this one's this one's tough for me. Obviously, the health of Van Dyke is going to be important. Obviously, the mental health of head coach Mario Cristobal is going to be important. I shouldn't judge <laughs> job that. security of him. Right. I mean, you know, it's been a an up and down season. There's some really high highs and some really low lows. You know, from, there are some that that pop right to the front of the memory. But um, yeah, the, this Louisville team. Look, they play good defense. They are complimentary on offense. Like they love to run the ball with Jawar Jordan. We've seen him take over games when it's the big game against Notre Dame, when it's, you know, big games against other ACC foes. He's been able to get it done. The quarterback plumber is like just doing enough to kind of not ruin it for them. I do think this is a little overrated Louisville team. I don't think that they're the 10th best team in the country. And I think you see that reflected in this spread right now. Still, Miami, I don't know if the quarterback's going to go. I'm going to lean Louisville. This one's going to be a close game. I I don't see any way that this is a blowout on either side. But uh, I think I'm going to take the Cardinals in this one just because I know know more things for certain about Louisville, even though I'm skeptical skeptical of uh, the team as a whole. I think I feel like I'm more confident in, in specific areas about this Cardinal team. So I'll take Louisville. All right, let's talk about potentially the biggest game of the week. Want to go ahead and get this one in here. Let's head to the Pac-12. We got a number five Washington team just outside of the college football playoff if it started today. Maybe feeling a little bit disrespected as the lowest ranked undefeated team in the country. They might be able to go on the road, though, this week and earn a little bit of respect if they can knock off the number 11 ranked Oregon State Beavers. Now, you, you look at this and you're like, okay, Washington probably a four or five-point favorite, right? Nope. What if I told you Oregon State is favored by two and a half at home? Now, Corvallis, not necessarily known as a house of whores, but obviously that home field advantage gives them, uh, you know, two and a half, three points of an advantage. So Vegas is still telling you that they see these teams as just about even if – not favoring Washington by just a tiny bit. So that's very interesting to me. What do you think? Yeah, this one was interesting to me. I was really shocked when I saw this spread. I mean, you talk about a number five Washington team, you expect them to be favored in all of their games. Uh, But this is – Oregon State's probably been one of my most – I've been probably – the most impressed with this season just yeah. uh, for what they've been able to do. I mean, they're, they're a very good two loss team. Uh, DJ Uyungle coming over from Clemson has really helped them go forward. And then you're talking about sophomore running back, Damian Martinez. He's clipped yep. over a thousand yards, seven touchdowns. He goes for about seven yards of carry. Um, so I think Oregon, and that's not even a touch on how good a defense Oregon state plays. And I mean, we said it in the last podcast, Washington can kind of stumble and and play good defenses really close. Um, So I think that's why you kind of see the spread leaning the way that it is, especially with the home field advantage for Oregon State. Um, 
I like the defense that they're able to play, and I think that their offense is capable. But, I mean, when you're talking about this Washington team, man, it's hard not to side with them. Right. You got probably – you probably got the Heisman runner-up and Michael Penix Jr. right now. You got two first-round uh, draft picks in your uh, wide receiver room headed up by uh, Romo Dunze, who's got 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns already. Um and while they've been playing these teams close, I, I don't think uh, I don't think that they aren't capable of having a big statement win. It's just when is it going to come? And I think this could possibly be one of those days. I'm going to take Washington to not only cover that spread, but I'm going to take them straight up. Yeah, that's interesting. I look, I agree with all of your points, and that's why this game is like. Really kind of confusing for me. It's a weird one. Oregon State stacks up as exactly what this spread shows you, as being about equal with Washington as far as the metrics go. DJ Uyunglele, I look, I think this game plays out one of two ways. I think that this is a close game no matter what, and I think that one scenario is Michael Penix does what Michael Penix does, and he's able to find those first-round receivers for deep bombs a couple times, and they're able to pull this game out late. Or we're sitting here next week, and we're talking about DJ Uyunglele. I mean, because what a, what a change of scenery does for a guy. I mean, you talk about these Pac-12 quarterbacks. Michael Penix transfers from Indiana, looks like a completely different person. DJ transfers from Clemson, looks like a completely different person. Bo Nix transfers from Auburn, looks like a completely different person. I mean, the, the Pac-12 is just reviving quarterbacks, it seems like, because DJ's played really well this year. Now, he's only completing just under 60% of his balls, but 20 touchdowns, so only four interceptions. That was one of the big issues at his, his last stop in Clemson was the turnovers, and he's not doing that. And you touched on Martinez. He's got weapons on the outside between Gould and Silas Bolden. I mean, they both are over 600 yards almost at this point. So there's lots of weapons. You said it. They play good defense. And then, like you said, all that has to happen is Michael Penix does a little bit of Michael Penix magic, right? And that's all that it takes for them to pull it out last second. So I'm going to go with the home team, the Oregon State Beavers, with a straight-up upset right here. I think they're not only going to win. I take them to win by a field goal or more. I think they cover that spread. I think that this is chaos week, baby. And I think this is where we see it happen. I think Washington gets their first loss of the year. And don't look now, but Oregon State is not out of this Pac-12 title race. In fact, if they beat Washington, they're more than likely in that Pac-12 title game. And that's before they play Oregon last week of the season so beavers could beavers could be mr chaos here the last couple of weeks of the season if dj and and company have their way so really looking forward to that game in the pac-12 chaos in corvallis there's your title for the podcast we Bam. got it already got the headline <laughs> hey let's head to the sec and talk about a huge game that may have lost a little luster after last week talking about our number one georgia bulldogs they are going on the road to face off against the Vols, the number 18-ranked Tennessee Volunteers. Dogs are favored by 10.5 on the road in Rocky Top. Now, last week, if, if Ole Miss plays Georgia tight or if they're able to pull that off, 
and Tennessee doesn't get absolutely smoked by Missouri, this is probably a top 10 matchup, right? And instead, you see a big spread here, Georgia favored, but something tells me Tennessee's got something to play for here, right? Like, obviously, they lose that game last year, and that was just devastating for them. Like it was their it was their Super Bowl. They were the number one team in the country. A lot of people hyping them up. Georgia was number two, and Georgia drug them through the mud, literally, embarrassed them. And then Tennessee doesn't able isn't able to finish the season the way they want to. This season, not going the way they wanted it to either. Right? Like already got a few losses right now. To be honest, they ain't got a lot to play for. Looking forward, they're out of the SEC race. They're out of the playoff race. That's a scary place to be for an opposing team. Exactly. They're kind of like, I mean, this is the game, right? Like this is this other than this, they got Vanderbilt last week of the season. They don't give a shit about that either, to be honest. So a win against Georgia would absolutely save the season for Josh Heupel and company. Is that enough to cover 10 and a half against the dogs? Or what is the recipe for Tennessee to win this game? That is a scenario. Dog fans don't want to listen to it, but that is a scenario here. It is, and on this podcast, I've always been uh, making the point of what a big difference home field advantage makes for teams. I think it makes a huge difference in college, especially when you're talking about having student sections and the the fan base. Neyland Stadium is a humongous enclosed stadium, um, and Tennessee fans pack it out. So it is a very formidable place to play. I will say that Georgia probably has some of the best traveling fans in the country. You've seen Georgia fans take over stadiums before. Um, So I do expect them to travel better. But the problem is, is if this game was played in the first five, six weeks of the season, yeah, Tennessee's probably got a pretty good shot at this. But Georgia is coming on at the perfect time. Carson Beck's playing at a very high level. They're Boy, healthy. He? They're healthy with Brock Bowers, Amarius Mims, Lab McConkey's good to go. Um, and then we have one question. We're like, well, crap, you know, can you know their defense rebound from losing one of their best players on defense in Jamon Dumas Johnson? And then here come the all-American freshmen uh mm-hmm. that absolutely play lights out against Ole Miss. And I don't think that they have a problem there. I think it's the same. It's the same recipe as last week for Georgia. Stop that run game. They were able to stop Kenshawn Judkins pretty well. If they can stop a really good run game against uh, Tennessee, I think that makes them very one-dimensional. And when you're one-dimensional and all you can do is pass the ball, it doesn't help that you only have like one go-to receiver that Milton can really look at. Right. I think I think Georgia's just. I mean. I think that they're starting to separate themselves from uh, the rest of college football. Uh, maybe not necessarily top four teams, but you know anything below that. I think Georgia's really trying to separate themselves from the rest. And I like the dogs big here. I haven't sided with them on uh, a spread yet this season. We've covered a couple of their games, but I think ten and a half is comfortable. I think they're. I think Kirby Smart's kind of kind of on a uh, a little bit of a disrespect tour where he didn't like being number number two for yeah. a while. So they got the number one. I think that their heads are on straight. They're trying to keep it that way. And I'll take the dogs big here. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go dogs minus ten and a half as well. And 
here, here's why. I Again, I think there's two scenarios in this game. I think there's a scenario where Tennessee strikes first, like all teams do against Georgia. Every they team. They don't seem to they don't seem to score a lot after that, but they always score on the first drive, right? I think there's a scenario where Tennessee does that. And then like we really haven't seen Carson Beck on the road a ton, right? Like he passed the first test at Auburn, but it was really close, right? And then the other test is Vandy. You know, so it's like really haven't seen him in a whole lot of hostile environments. Now, don't get me wrong. Love the kid. I mean, if you go if you just go and watch film, the arm talent is one thing, but the checks and the things that he does at the line of scrimmage to get this team into the right play every single down, the the way that he can see a blitz coming before the offensive line does, the way he's able to motion guys to figure out if it's man or zone and get into the right play. I mean, it's just great. Look, I put $25 on him to win the Heisman back in July. If he does, I'm, I'm going to take a little vacation. I'll just let you know that. We'll take a little week off at the Saturday Six Pod. But he hasn't faced a lot of hostile environments so far. And like you said, Tennessee's going to be one, right? So there's a scenario where Tennessee strikes first. Maybe Carson throws a pick and Tennessee scores again. And now this Georgia team is down a little bit. And this crowd is up a lot of it. Right. And so this game is close at halftime. Like I said, Tennessee's got something to play for. This is their Super Bowl. And this is a close game through through four quarters. And Tennessee's able to score. Georgia ekes it out and wins. There's another scenario where Georgia's up by 20 at half because they're doing what they do. Now, Tennessee's able to get a little bit of pressure on the quarterback. So that could stifle it. But if they protect Carson Beck like they did last week, not like they did against Missouri. I see a scenario where they're up by three touchdowns maybe at halftime, and this Tennessee team quits. Like, they just straight up give up. And there's no fight in the second half, and this thing steamrolls. Kendall Milton gets involved. Dejon Edwards gets involved. This defense just starts to smother them like they do. Like you said, if Lassiter's on Squirrel White, they ain't really got too many other options outside of that. Milton doesn't scare me. I think they shut down the run game with uh, with Wright and Small. So this one could snowball and get ugly like that game against Ole Miss. I think it does. I think you're right. I think this is another cover, minus 10.5. I'm going to take the dogs three weeks in a row now and hopefully be right two weeks in a row. Yeah, and I know we're trying to stay on schedule and uh, with the time and everything, but let me run a little conspiracy that I have for you. Uh-oh, I'm um, listening. I'm ears. I got time for this. Georgia lets teams score on the first drive on purpose. Okay. Hear me out. Okay. What if Georgia plays very loosely on defense for that first drive because it gives them a better look into what that opposing team's offense is wanting to do for the game as a whole? And then they turn on the Jets and actually play. Because think about it. You get a three and out. You don't get a good look at what that offense is really wanting to do. Maybe Georgia gives teams a drive. Maybe they're not trying to let them score, and they're just terrible in the red zone. I can give them that because yeah. they're terrible in the red zone through four quarters. Right. Um, but what if, what if they're trying to let the opposing offense get a little bit of a drive together, see what they're really trying to do, and that's when they're turning on the Jets because that's what we've been seeing lately. They'll score on the first drive, and then after that, Georgia's defense comes alive, yeah. and they're a very tough defense to play against after that. 
I think Kirby Smart would laugh at you in your face. <laughs> but I mean, it is far. It is far. Kind of make a little sense. I think the bigger point that you you're you're making here is that this Georgia coaching staff is damn good at making adjustments. I mean, Glenn yeah. Schumann does not get the countrywide respect that he deserves. I mean. You ask some people that don't know college football, they'll probably tell you, well, Muschamp is the defensive coordinator. Well, Muschamp hasn't called a single damn play in two years. It's Glenn Schumann. Glenn Schumann's going to be a head coach at a huge program in the next two to three years. A&M, Mississippi State. Yeah, maybe Got next openings. year if he wants to go. But, I mean, that's just how good this guy is at making adjustments. And, I mean, he knows ball. The guy knows ball. What can you say? So, I think they, I think they do make – adjustments after teams kind of script and that's the other part of it right like teams script their first drive you see a lot of teams have success on their first drive that they're not able to maintain throughout the rest of the game because they put together kind of their perfect package of plays that they've run throughout the week in practice and um, a lot of times it pays dividends but (laughs) I do like the conspiracy theories (laughs) last two games that we need to pick uh, we actually we had three games left to pick. We gotta we gotta get it rolling here. We got a couple uh Pac-12 games to pick. One Pac-12 game, two Big 12 games. Let's start in the Pac-12. Number 22 Utah at number 17 Arizona. Talked about them Wildcats. Where did they come from? What are they doing here? One point favorite at home are the Wildcats. We're gonna make this another pick them straight up. Do you like the Wildcats? Do you like the Utes? Teams kind of headed in different directions, right? Utah's lost some games recently. Arizona winning a lot of games recently. This one should be an interesting showdown out West. Yeah, it's very interesting. And it's hard to talk bad about Utah. Dude, their two losses is to number five and number six, Washington and Oregon. I mean, everybody kind of saw that coming. Um, But then Arizona's had some good wins. They lose in triple overtime to USC. That's probably a it's a loss. It's not an ugly loss, even though USC is so bad. I mean, going triple overtime is pretty darn good. And then they've got some good wins. They beat a really good Oregon State team that we've touched on. I think UCLA was kind of a better win than probably most people are giving them credit for. Right. They beat Colorado last week. Colorado's not freaking good, but you know, they can still score points. So I think. I think Arizona is one of those sleeper teams that um, you you, you got to prepare for every game the same as the next, obviously, if you want to be successful. But I think a lot of people kind of have written Arizona off as just kind of bottom pack 12, and they're kind of shocking the world here a little bit. But on the other hand, I mean, we, we've talked about this Utah team. I think they have some struggles on offense. They, they need to figure out how to score more points, but – this Utah defense is, is as good as you're going to get in the Pac-12. Um, other than, you know, Oregon's probably better than them. Just slightly. Um, I like I like Utah. I, I think uh, it's a pick game, so I, I'm comfortable going with Utah. I think that their defense kind of limits what Arizona is able to do. And then their offense, one of those offenses that they'll do just enough. Yeah, I mean, what Arizona wants to do is run the ball, right? I mean, Noah Fafita, the quarterback, has – I mean, he's looked great this year. Really, honestly, like crazy good, to be honest. So, Jaden Dolores starts the year, right, and then Fafita takes over. He's completing 73% of his passes, 16 touchdowns, 
to only four interceptions, and he can run the ball a good bit too. Um, you know, obviously he's been sacked a few times, so that hurts the rushing totals, but um, he, he, he has the legs to do it. And then the running back, Jonah Coleman, I mean, he's looked elite so far this year. Not a lot of touchdowns on the ground, but he's averaging over seven yards a carry. So I think this Arizona offense, like, they pose a threat, but like you said, man, this Utah defense is pretty stiff. Like they don't they don't give a whole whole lot up unless you're Washington or you're Oregon, right? And so I don't know. It's asking a lot out of this Arizona defense, probably. Like, what do you what do you gotta hold Utah to if you want to win this game if you're Arizona? You gotta hold Utah to 27? 20, yeah, 24. Maybe. Maybe a little bit less. I, I'd go more around the twenties. I do think that you know this this Utah defense is pretty good. So, um, I, I yeah, twenties for me. I see a scenario where where we can hold them to twenty one points, twenty four points. I want to take Arizona, man. I, I like the Wildcats here. I feel like they've got the momentum as well. They're starting to kind of really click and really buy in to what's going on there in Arizona. So I like Fafita, the quarterback. I like the running back, Coleman. I think they – I don't think they have a big day against Utah. I think this is a low-scoring game, right? Like I think the the it's probably 40-something combined, you know. And so uh, I'm going to take Arizona in a pick em game. Sure, give me the hot hand. Give me the Wildcats. I'll uh, I'll take them in this one. All right, so on opposite sides for that one, let's head to the Big 12 for the last two matchups. A couple of uh, top 25 teams going at it this week, and they are both in the state of Kansas. Number 21, Kansas State Wildcats going on the road to face off against the 25th-ranked Kansas Jayhawks. Which Kansas team do you like more is the question. Kansas State favored by eight on the road. So got to take them to win by more than eight if you want to ride with those Wildcats. What say you? Which one you like? Dude, this is a tough one. I mean, I, I think that these are two really good football teams. I think I think Kansas State probably has a little bit of an edge on offense. I like what Will Howard's done this year. I mean, he's gone for over 2,000 yards. He's got over 20 touchdowns, mm -hmm. which is freaking impressive. They've got really good running backs as well. Um, when you're talking about a guy like DJ Giddens. And then, I mean, Kansas, you, you kind of see saw them stumble a little bit. They were a really good team that we were talking about, you know, can they upset uh, some of these big teams? I mean, they freaking upset Oklahoma. and We thought Oklahoma was a really good team. So they're definitely very capable, especially on offense. I think that their defensive secondary is really good, um, which is a good matchup for Kansas State. But, dude, eight points is a lot. Yeah. Um, especially when you have such evenly matched teams here. Uh, you never know what's going to happen with a night game here. I'm going to take Kansas to cover. I like Kansas State straight up to win. I just, I'm not comfortable with eight points. You got to win by more than a touchdown. That is tough to do. Yeah. And uh, I think it's a little bit closer than what this spread's given me. Yeah. The, the only reason I feel like this, this spread, might like 
feel like it would be a little bit lower, but we're a little unsure about the Kansas quarterback situation, right? So um, obviously the quarterback, Jalen Daniels, is out. It's been Jason Bean that's been replacing him, right? And uh, Bean, <laughs> Bean took a shot in the last game. I don't know if he's suiting up. I haven't read anything about it. But if if he is limited or if he's out, then that puts Kansas on their third-string quarterback. That makes me a little bit nervous if I'm a Jayhawk. So, um, yeah, for me, this Kansas State team you touched on a little bit, they, they've been, been pretty good on offense, scoring nearly 40 points a game on that side of the ball. I mean, if you can do that, especially if Kansas is down to second or third string quarterback. I like Jason Bean. I think they've done some good things with him this week, or excuse me, this year in replacing Daniels. But um, even on the road, I think this Kansas State team, like they still got a lot to play for, right? They're not out of this Big 12 championship race at all, currently sitting in second at seven and three. So this Kansas State team that we saw in that game last year still have that game to play for this year. I'm going to take them to cover eight. I'm not super confident in this one at all definitely will not make this one my lock because uh, I think there is a chance where Kansas can cover here but uh, I'm gonna take the Wildcats and hope that uh, they can put up similar numbers to what they have this year and hold Kansas to around 28 30 cover that so uh, I'll, uh, I'll take the Wildcats we'll be on opposite sides for the the showdown in Kansas All right, last one of the Saturday six. Let's keep it in the Big 12 for maybe not like first glimpse. You're like, ah, oh, maybe that's not a great matchup. Might be a blowout here, but I, I might would caution you a little bit. Number seven, Texas. Got Quinn Ewers back. Got to go on the road to face off against an Iowa State Cyclone team that is six and four. Not bad. Not ranked. But I guarantee you they're probably about 26, 27, 28 right there on the outside of that top 25. Also tied for second in the Big 12 race at six and four. They are, have only got uh, two conference losses. So not out of it are the Cyclones either. This could be a tricky spot here for Texas. What do you think, man? Can they pull this off? Can they win this game by eight? Or can Iowa State maybe keep this a little bit closer? Could they pull off an upset? Thought this might be upset week. Is this another one? It's close. Iowa State's been playing some really good football lately. I mean, they lose by a touchdown to Kansas. But other than that, they've won uh, five of their last six games uh, in pretty convincing fashion. Where, on the flip side, Texas is just doing what they got to in a lot of games to win these. I mean, you lose to Oklahoma, and then you win by a touchdown against Houston. A little bit of a blowout against BYU, but then you go to overtime and win by a field goal against Kansas State. And then you win by a field goal against TCU, which mm -hmm. is not last year's TCU. And it's not even last year's Kansas State. I mean, it's a good mm -hmm. Kansas State team, but it's not last year's Kansas State. Um, so they, they've kind of, they, they've been eking by, they've been doing exactly what they have to. I expected more out of their defense. I, I thought Texas's defense on paper, uh, and especially at the beginning of the year looked a lot better than what I've seen as of late from them, uh, these last couple of weeks, you know, late October coming into November here, but I'm never counting the longhorns out. I don't care that it's in Iowa. I think 
I think Texas just has too much of a talent advantage here. I think, dude, I mean, they've got some weapons, man. I the mean, issue, the issue is, and uh, this is this is since last week, um, Jonathan Brooks. Jonathan Brooks is out. He's done for the season. So that running back for Texas is not going to be there. And yeah. basically – it it does it, it all falls on Quinn Ewers at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, they've got and he's a little banged backs. up too, right? I mean, they've got backup running backs, but I mean, Brooks has looked elite this year. He's right. looked like the best player on that offense. So now it's going to come down to Ewers finding Ad Mitchell, finding Xavier Worthy, and you know, basically putting this offense on his back. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Texas recruits at a high enough level that I'm confident in whoever's going to take over that running back. Uh, role and most likely once you lose your starting running back if it's not a committee it is now uh you're very seldomly going to see one guy step up and take the lion's share of the carry it's it usually starts going by committee there um but texas recruits at a high enough level i'm not super worried about that it's a big spread it's the it's the second biggest spread that i'm comfortable taking the the favor in here other than that uga pick but I'm going to take Texas to win this one outright uh, and cover that seven and a half. I think this is a good game for Texas to kind of get back on track and make a statement that, hey, seven's a little disrespectful. I mean, they're still they're still trying to battle for these playoff spots too. Yeah. I don't know, man. I gave you a little preview. I was like, man, this might be upset week. We haven't seen chaos. This would qualify as chaos, right? Now, oh, 100%. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm just gonna name you some players that you probably haven't heard of, but uh it's because you haven't watched much Iowa State football. I don't True. blame you. I haven't either. <laughs> but the quarterback for Iowa State is one Rocco Becht. B-E-C-H-T. Rocco Becht. What an awesome name. I, I feel like he's definitely Italian and definitely from New Jersey, but um great quarterback name. And really a good quarterback this year. I mean, he's completing over 60% of his passes, over 2,000 yards, 15 to 7 touchdown to int ratio. Not great, um, but, you know, he's 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 protecting the ball for the most part. The running game is not super elite for Iowa State. They don't have a Brees Hall this year, but they do have a couple of good receivers in Higgins and Noel. They're both around 600 yards with a couple uh, with four touchdowns each. So he's able to spread the ball out to some playmakers. The defense is is pretty good. I mean, they got a DB, Jeremiah Cooper, who is right up there um, in the top of the NCAA as far as interceptions go with five. So they've got some playmakers on that side of the ball. I think they cover, man. They're at home. I mean, their 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 logo itself, a tornado, just signifies chaos. And I feel like that's what's going to go down here in Iowa. I just I got a feeling that Texas, they've kept it close with a bunch of teams the last few weeks, and I'm not going to take Iowa State to win this game. I feel like Texas can win this by a field goal, but a field goal does not cover that spread. So I'm going to take the Longhorns to – to trip up a little bit here, eke one out, and Iowa State to cover this game. Come up a little bit short, but to cover that uh, seven and a half. I'm going to take the Cyclones. What do you think about that? It's very plausible, like like we both touched on. I mean, Texas has been playing teams close. Um, I mean, history is bound to repeat itself, and, mm-hmm. you know, the history shows that, you know, Texas isn't covering these big spreads. So it, it's possible. 
we saw TCU last year, right? Like that was the team in the in the Big 12 that every single week it was close, it was close, it was close, it was close, it was close. And then finally it's like, man, one of them's going to catch up to you, right? So for Texas, you hope it is not anytime soon. But uh, I don't know. Could be sneaky. Could be sneaky. But uh, that's six picks against the spread, man. I'm going to recap them for you guys real quick in case you want to follow these. We're both on Louisville. Basically a pick them. Louisville, you might see them favored by about one, depending on when and where you find that. But we both took Louisville to win that game. Another pick them, Utah and Arizona. Arizona favored by about one, depending on where you find it. We're on opposite sides. I took the Wildcats to win. You took Utah to win. And then Georgia versus Tennessee. We both like the dogs to get a big win. We like them to cover 10 and a half points on the road in Neyland Stadium. And then opposite sides for that battle of the Kansas teams, Kansas State minus eight. I like them to cover that. You like Kansas to keep it closer than eight. Washington, Oregon State. You took Washington straight up to cover that two and a half and to win the game outright. I like Oregon State with an upset here and covering that two and a half field goal or better for the Beavers. And then finally, I'll take Iowa State plus the seven and a half, Texas straight up. You like Texas minus the seven and a half, winning by more than a touchdown in Iowa. Any final thoughts for me, man? Great way of college football to look forward to. Anything you want to leave the folks with? Yeah, stay tuned. We got we got week twelve. We got championship week. We got bowl bam, games. Bam, 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 uh, bam, they're bam. they're all coming here. So stay tuned. It only gets more exciting from here. Yeah, man, cranking these episodes out. Always a pleasure to uh, sit down with you and talk a little ball every week. I look forward to it. So um, until next time, for my brother Tyler, I am AJ, and this was another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. We'll see you back soon.